All right, Matthew 24. And I'm still in the wrong chapter. Hold on. Okay. Therefore, when you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by, the Dan by Daniel the prophet standing in the holy place, whoever reads, let him understand. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let him who is on the housetop not go down to take anything out of his house. And let him who is in the field not go back to get his clothes. But woe to those who are pregnant and to those who are nursing babies in those days. And pray that your flight may not be in the winter or on the Sabbath. For then there will be great tribulation such as not been since the beginning of the world until this time nor ever shall be. Unless those days were shortened, no flesh would be saved. But for the elect's sake, those days will be shortened. Then, if anyone says to you, look, here is the Christ, or there, do not believe it. For false Christs and false prophets will rise and show great signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect. See, I have told you beforehand. Therefore, if they say to you, look, he is in the desert, do not go out. Or, look, he is in the inner rooms. Do not believe it. For as the lightning comes from the east and flashes to the west, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. For wherever the carcass is, there the eagles will be gathered together. Alright. Now I want you to take a moment and go to Luke chapter 21. Okay, because this confuses a lot of people. Because they believe it's speaking of the same thing. Now, I want you to note in Matthew 24, all the things that are speak, spoken of are concerning the world. Okay? And tribulation that has not happened since the creation, nor ever shall be. Okay? Now, in Luke 21, verse 20, Okay, it sounds very similar, but I believe that the Sermon on the Mount of Olives was a little bit longer than what we have in any of the Gospels. If you put them all together, then you have the totality of that sermon. Okay, And remember, he's asking a couple questions. When will these things be? That is, when will be the destruction of the temple in Jerusalem in 70 AD? Okay, He's answering those things, and he's giving signs about when those things will come. So in chapter 21 of Luke, verse 20, he says, But when you see Jerusalem surrounded by armies, then know that its desolation is near. Now in Matthew 24, he talks about the abomination of desolation, and that is the sign. That means you get up and you run. You flee as fast as you possibly can. Okay? In Luke 20, the sign is when you see Jerusalem surrounded by its enemies. That's when you go, okay? You know that its desolation is near. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let those who are in the midst of her depart. And let not those who are in the country enter her. For these are the days of vengeance. That all things which are written may be fulfilled. Woe to those who are pregnant, to those who are nursing babies in those days. For there will be great distress in the land and wrath upon this people. And they will fall by the edge of the sword and be led away captive into all nations. Now, when did that happen? When were they led away captive into all nations? Again, 70 AD. 
all right? In Matthew 24, it doesn't say you're going to be led captive into all nations. You're going to be led to the wilderness. Okay, two different places, two different time events. So don't confuse the two. And when somebody comes up who would be actually considered what would be maybe a preterist, who believes that all this was filled during the siege of Jerusalem, A.D. 70, know that that is not what this is talking about. Okay? Luke 20 talks about that. Matthew 24 is speaking of a yet future event that is still going to happen. Okay? And then it says, it's so verse 24 in chapter 21, and they will fall by the edge of the sword and be led away captive to all nations, and Jerusalem will be trampled by the Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles is fulfilled. Okay? So two different events. And I want you guys to understand that because as you listen to people or read commentaries, they're going to confuse the events in Matthew 24 with the events that happened in A.D. 70. Okay? And I also want you to understand that for the sake of consistency... Throughout the scriptures, you have to understand that this is yet future. Okay? Or else other passages do not make sense. We're going to go over a lot of them today. They just don't make sense. When I read, like I have various study Bibles. My wife probably thinks I'm a, a nut for having so many. I've got them piled up on my desk, probably about, I don't even know how many, 10, 15 of them. Okay? Because I like study Bibles because you can get like a perspective very quickly rather than going through some long commentary. And so it's really easy for me to figure out different perspectives, see what other people say. And I have a Reformed study Bible. And uh, they confuse all of this with the events that happened in AD 70. But they lose consistency with the rest of the Bible. Okay, And I don't want that to be us. I want us to be consistent. Okay, the, 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 a failed argument is an inconsistent argument, okay? As you're watching debates or anything like that, inconsistency is a sure sign of a failed argument, all right? So, let's go back to verse 15. Therefore, when you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet standing in the holy place, whoever reads, let him understand. We went over this last week. The abomination of desolation is when the Antichrist has a form, has a statue, some kind of image made, and it is placed in the Holy of Holies, in the temple in Jerusalem. Okay? And he goes in there and he declares that he is God and he exalts himself above all that is called God, so that he sits in the temple of God, proclaiming that he is God, according to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. Alright, so he goes in there, proclaims that he is God, he puts up this image, and if anybody does not worship him or that image and take the mark on their right hand or on their forehead, they will be killed. Okay, if you do not bow down and worship him as God, you will be put to death. You'll be executed. So, Jesus tells them in verse 16, then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Okay? So what is the sign there that they are supposed to flee to the mountains? The abomination of desolation. The moment you see that, the moment you hear of it, you are to flee to the mountains. 
In fact, he says, go so quickly. Don't, if you're on your roof, don't come back down and get your stuff. Don't take provisions with you, right? If you're out in the field, don't go back to your house. Just run, run as fast as you can. Any time that you waste will be a time, will be detrimental to you, okay? Not to you guys, we'll be gone, okay? If you are in Jesus Christ and do not believe you will see this day, all right? But for those who are in Judea, in Jerusalem, in Israel, they are to flee, those who are faithful, or else they will either, one, be killed, or two, they will have to worship the beast as God. So they are to run. We also see, well, uh, let me go forward a little bit. So again, they're supposed to flee to the mountains. Now, what mountains would these be? Okay. Well, I haven't gotten there yet. You're right, though. Okay. So in AD 70, many Jews fled to Pella. Pella was a region in the Decapolis up by the um, Sea of Galilee, Tiberias. Um, I believe, and many scholars believe, that they will actually go south, okay, to the area of Petra. Now listen to this, Zechariah chapter 13. And it tells us that only a third will survive. Okay? Zechariah 13, verse 8. And it shall come to pass in the land, says the Lord, that two-thirds in it shall be cut off and die, but one-third shall be left in it. So two-thirds. One out of every three people are going to die. Or two out of every three people are going to die. Two would be two-thirds, right? Two out of every three people are going to die. And those who escape, one-third will survive. Only a third. This will be, I mean, a slaughter. An absolute slaughter that the Antichrist brings against the people of Israel. It says, but one-third shall be left in it. Left in the city. Okay, that one-third will probably be those who bow down and worship the beast. They forsake their God and worship the beast. And then he says, and I will bring one-third through the fire. One-third of the faithful will be brought through the fire. We'll refine them as silver is refined. Test them as gold is tested. They will call on my name and I will answer them. And I will, I will say, this is my people. And each one will say, Yahweh is my God. Okay? So this is the faithful. These are those who do flee to the mountains. And they are preserved. Okay? Now, where, again, where will they go? They're going to go, my wife already blew it for me. I was going to build up to this. But now, no, I'm just kidding. I'm totally joking. But now they're going to go to Petra. Anybody ever watch, which, which Indiana Jones, The Last Crusade, when he goes in search for the Holy Grail, right? And they go there and they go through this tiny little crack in the, in the mountain, right? And they show up and there's this huge kind of palace built into the walls of this, this rock. And Petra, that's what Petra means, a rock. And um, so that's your homework. Go back, watch Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Okay. So in Isaiah 34 and also Isaiah 63, it tells us where Jesus is going to come and start his war 
against what I believe is the armies of the Antichrist. I'm going to scoot up a little bit. I don't have to yell quite as loud. Last week I could barely talk afterwards. So, so Isaiah 34 and 63, but I'm going to start in Daniel 7.21. And this is going to show that the Antichrist is going to make war against the saints. And when you think of saints, think of the Jewish believers in Jesus. Okay, who were in Israel at that time. Think of the 144,000 Jewish men who will be going out and proclaiming the gospel. Think of all those who believe through their testimony. All right? So Daniel 7, 21 through 22 says, I was watching, and the same horn, when he says horn, he's talking about the little horn, who is the Antichrist that grew up, okay? This is a king who grows up in the last days. And he was making war against the saints and prevailing against them until the Ancient of Days came. And judgment was made in favor of the saints of the Most High. And the time came for the saints to possess the kingdom. Okay? So we know that this is right at the end because it's right before the saints possess the kingdom. Okay? And this little horn, this Antichrist, this beast that he is called, will make war against the saints and prevail against them. Anybody here ever seen the Left Behind movies? No? Okay. Has anybody else? All of you guys have Left Behind movies? So they, there's one called the Tribulation Force. And it's this force of people who are, who are going to kind of almost make war against the Antichrist in the, in the last days and stuff. That's just really far-fetched. The Antichrist is going to be pretty much unstoppable. Nobody is going to rise up. The only thing that will be able to fight against him is the proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Okay? Just as it is right now. You want a war against Satan? Proclaim the gospel. Live by the gospel. Live the gospel out. That makes war against them. Teach it to your children. You know? Talk about it. Pray over it. So just imagine that war breaks out. The faithful Jews are taken. And they go somewhere. Now I want you guys to go to Revelation chapter 12. Hey, buddy. <laughs> Revelation chapter 12. Good throw. Okay, Revelation chapter 12, we see this fleeing from Jerusalem. All right. Now I have verses 12 to 17 marked, but I'm going to start in verse 1 because as I was reading it, I realized verse 1 is kind of a summary, and it explains just a little bit more. And then he goes into details in the rest of the chapter. All right, so go to Revelation chapter 12. And again, we're going to start in verse 1. It says, Now a great sign appeared in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and on her head a garland of twelve stars. Then being with child, she cried out in labor and in pain to give birth. Okay, now this woman is Israel. Alright? That's what it's talking about. When you go back to the dream that Joseph had of the twelve stars, okay, and the moon 
and the sun. It's speaking of Israel. Okay, girls, I'm going to need you to obey and to sit there, okay? You guys can color and stuff, but let's not be distracting. Okay, then it says in verse 2, Being with child, she cried out in labor pain to give birth. And another side appeared in heaven, and behold, a great fiery red dragon, having seven heads and ten hordes, and seven diadems on his head. His tail drew a third of the stars of heaven and threw them to the earth. So you see that this child is born, the son who's going to rule the nations. It's speaking of Jesus Christ. And... And what happens? Another sign appears. It's Satan himself. And he has pulled down a third of the stars out of heaven. Okay, speaking of the demons, angels, who have joined him in his treason against God. It says, It tail drew a third of the stars out of heaven and threw them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman who was ready to give birth to devour her child as soon as it was, as soon as it was born. Now when was that fulfilled? Think back in the Gospels. Who tries to devour the child? Herod the Great, right? He wants to kill all the all the children, what was it, five years old and younger in Israel or in Bethlehem at that time. He is in, empowered by Satan. Okay, verse 5. She bore a male child who is to rule all nations with a rod of iron, and her child was caught up to God and his throne. When did that happen? Resurrection and at the ascension, when Jesus Christ ascended to heaven and was at the throne of his Father. Then the woman fled into the wilderness, where she has a place prepared for her, okay, a place in the wilderness, to a place that is prepared by God, that they should feed there 1,260 days. Now, how many years is that? 1,260 days. That's three and a half years. Okay, remember, the, the abomination of desolation happens at the three and a half year pure point. Okay, so you got three and a half years, and then he breaks his peace treaty with Israel. This wind is really fun to talk over. Can you guys hear me still? Okay. So, three and a half years, abomination of desolation happens after the first three and a half years, and then you have the great tribulation when it gets really, really bad. The first three and a half years are bad, this will make that even worse. Okay? It says, in war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against, fought with the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought. But they did not prevail. So now we are actually backtracking again. Alright? But they did not prevail, nor was a place found for them in heaven any longer. So the great dragon was cast out, the serpent of old, called the devil and Satan. So right there we know who the dragon is, who deceives the whole world. He was cast to the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. Then I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ have come for the accuser of our brethren 
who has accused them before God day and night has been cast down, and they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. And they did not love their lives to the death. Therefore rejoice, O heavens, and you dwell in them. Woe, but woe to the inhabitants of the earth and the sea, for the devil has come down to you having great wrath because he knows that his time is short. Okay? So at this three and a half year period, also, after this, we also see that the, the, the Antichrist suffers a fatal wound to his head. But then he miraculously is cured. Now, could this be that this is when Satan enters him? This is total speculation, all right? Just thinking about it. Satan actually comes down and he is enraged against Israel at that three and a half year period. Also at that three and a half year period is when the Antichrist suffers that fatal head wound. All right. But somehow he survives and everybody is in awe and follows after the beast saying, who is like the beast? All right. Who can make war with him? Now, verse 13. And this is where we're going back again to Matthew 24. Now when the dragon saw that he had been cast to the earth, he persecuted the woman who gave birth to the male child. Again, that's Israel, the Jews. But the woman was given two wings of a great eagle that she might fly into the wilderness to her place where she is nourished for a time, one year, times, that's two years, so three years total, and half a times, three and a half years. All right? from the presence of the serpent. So the serpent spewed water out of his mouth like a flood after the woman, that he might cause her to be carried away by the flood. But the earth helped the woman, and the earth opened its mouth and swallowed up the flood which the dragon had spewed out of his mouth. And the dragon was enraged with the woman, and he went to make war with the rest of her offspring who keep the commandments of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. So there's a place that is going to receive Israel where they're going to be nourished for times, times, and half a time. All right? I believe that place is Petra. Now, when Jesus comes back, he is first going to go to that city, to Petra. All right? In um, Isaiah 34, 1 through 6, it says, I'm going to read 1 through 6 because you see that this is not just against Edom or Basra, which is where Petra is in Basra. All right. This is a, uh, against all the nations. All right. So it's speaking of this time period. It says, Come near you nations and hear and heed you people. Let the earth hear and all that is in it, the world and all things that come forth from it. For the indignation of the Lord is against all nations and his fury against all their armies, and he has utterly destroyed them. He has given them over to the slaughter. Also their slain will be thrown out, their stench will rise from their corpses, and the mountains shall be melted with their blood. All the hosts of heaven, all the armies of heaven, shall be dissolved. Speaking of probably the stars or even the demonic influences. And the heavens shall be rolled up like a scroll, and all their hosts shall fall down, as the leaf falls from the vine, and as fruit falling from a fig tree. For my sword shall be bathed in heaven, 
Indeed, it shall come down upon Edom and on the people of my curse for judgment. The sword of the Lord is filled with blood. It is made overflowing with fatness, with the blood of lambs and goats, with the fat of kidneys and rams. For the Lord has a sacrifice in Basra. Again, Basra, Petra is in Basra. And a great slaughter in the land of Edom. All right. So right there you have all the nations coming there. You have all the armies of the nations coming there. And the Lord is going to slaughter them. Okay. The sacrifice for their sins is on their own heads. They will be sacrificed for their own sins. Is what it says. There's not going to be atonement made for them. They're going to atone for their sins by dying and being slaughtered and destroyed. Okay, then Isaiah 63, 1-6. Who is this who comes from Edom? Again, Edom is Idumea. It is the place where Basra is and where Petra is. Well, who is this who comes from Edom with thy garments from Basra? <clears throat> who is this glorious in his apparel, traveling in the greatness of his strength? I who speak in righteousness, mighty to save. And then the question is asked, why is your apparel red? And your garment like one who treads the winepress? He says, I have treading the winepress alone, and from the peoples no one was with me. For I have trodden them in my anger and trampled them in my fury. Their blood is sprinkled on my garments and I have stained all my robes. For the day of vengeance is in my heart and the year of my redeemed has come. I looked, but there was none to help. I wondered that there was none to uphold. Therefore my own arm brought salvation for me and my own fury it sustained me. I have trodden down the peoples of my anger, made them drunk in my fury and brought down their strength to the earth. All right, this is speaking of Jesus. I mean, just think of that picture. Think of the multitudes that are going to come against Israel in that last day. Um, it's going to be awful for them. Think of someone who treads the wine press, just going through and stomping on the grapes and turning it into juice. That is what it's going to look like on that day when Jesus Christ comes and slaughters the armies of the Antichrist. Micah 2, 12-13 I will surely assemble my people, all of you, O Jacob, and surely gather the remnant of Israel. I will put them together like sheep of the fold. The Hebrew word for sheep of the fold is Basra. Because that's what Basra means. Like a flock in the midst of their pasture, they shall make a loud noise because of so many people. Because so many people are coming against them, they're going to wail and cry out. But somebody is going to hear them, and that somebody is the Lord Jesus Christ. The one who breaks, or the breaker, speaking of Jesus, will come before them. And they will break out, pass through the gate, and go out by it. Again, when you go into Petra, there's a long, I can't remember how long it is. It's like a mile long, or maybe half a mile long or something. Maybe it's longer. I didn't look it up. But you go through the rock, and that is the gate to Basra, to Petra. Okay? They're going to break through there, through the armies of the Antichrist, to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. Because listen to what it says. Then one who breaks open will come before them, and they will break out, pass through the gate, go out by it. Their king will be before them, with Yahweh at their head. It is Yahweh, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will... Be at their head. He will lead them forth. 
and break out for them. Now, the distance from Basra, from Petra, to Jerusalem is 1,600 furlongs. Does that help? Okay, good. It will help if you read Revelation 14.20. Revelation 14.20 says, And the winepress, okay, speaking of Isaiah 63, tramples the, the um, armies like grapes, right? And the winepress was trampled outside the city, and blood came out of the winepress up to the horse's bridle for 1,600 furlongs. Okay? That's the same distance from Petra to Jerusalem, all the way to the Valley of Jehoshaphat, or the Kidron Valley. Now, the Valley of Jehoshaphat, Kidron Valley, according to Joel, that's where Jesus is going to judge the nations. All right? He is going to trample all the way there and judge the nations there. Now, 1,600 furlongs is 200 miles. Okay, some translations will just say 200 miles. All right? But that's how far it's going to be. So, I bring all this to give you the picture of what is going to happen. Okay? Israel is going to be, they're going to have to run. They're going to flee. The moment they see the abomination of desolation standing in the holy place, they run for their lives, and they are kept by God and, and provided for by Him for three and a half years. Okay? At the end of that three and a half years, Jesus Christ comes back, and He leads them out. He breaks through the armies of the Antichrist, trampling, trampling them all the way to Jerusalem. All right? So, it makes sense that they will be in Petra. Okay? So when you guys <clears throat> were watching Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, you'll say, oh, this place, even though they say it's a different place and that's where the Holy Grail is, it's not true, you know, there's no invisible bridge or anything like that. But Petra, if you, actually, if you go home and you're on the internet, if we were in a building right now, I'd probably show you pictures of Petra. It's, it's astounding. It's amazing, you know, what they built at that time. And it's still standing today. So, again, back to the text. Look back at verse 16. So when you see the Antichrist, he sets up this abomination of desolation. That is the cue to run for your life. All right? It says, let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let him who is on the housetop not go down to take anything out of his house. Let him who is in the field not go back to get his clothes. Just go. Right? Don't waste a moment. Don't waste a moment. You don't got time to fill up for gas. You don't have time to do anything. Okay? My thought is that they don't have cars anymore because they've passed the new Green Deal and, you know, that's why we read of horses and stuff. I'm just kidding. I don't know why. It could be a Mustang or a Colt. Yeah. All right. So go back down. To verse 19. But woe to those who are pregnant, to those who are nursing in those days. Now what does that mean? It could mean those who are making that flight to Petra. Woe to you if you're pregnant or nursing. It's going to be really hard for you. It's one thought. 
The other thought is it's not speaking of those who are fleeing. It's just speaking of those who are in the city at that time. To those who are pregnant, those who are nursing. The Bible talks about in Hosea and Amos and in the Psalms about the pregnant women being ripped open and their little ones being dashed to pieces on the rocks. You know, that is probably more likely what Jesus is talking about here because it's a woe. It's a woe pronounced against them, right? This will be a horrible, horrible time. An awful time. It will be a slaughter. Verse 20, And pray that your flight may not be in the winter or on the Sabbath. So, winter in Israel is the rainy season, right? I think it's December to like February. March is beautiful. Okay, if you ever go to Israel, go in March. That's when we went. It's not that hot. And it's um, everything's really green. At least it was when we went. But the rainy season is going to be cold. It's going to be harder to get to where you need to go. So he says, pray that it doesn't happen then. Or on the Sabbath. This shows that the Jews will, their religion will still be intact. Okay? They will still be doing Sabbath observance. They'll be resting on the Sabbath. You can only travel so long. And if there are still hotels and elevators and stuff like that or big buildings... Imagine getting on the, on the elevator and you are running for your life and you have to stop at every single floor because you're on the Sabbath elevator. Okay? Things are just going to be harder. I'm kind of saying that tongue-in-cheek. But when you're in Israel, they have the Shabbat elevator and there's only one button up or down and it stops at every single floor in the building. Okay? Because they're not allowed to push the button, it's starting a fire. They're using electricity, so that's considered work. So they aren't allowed to use that. Um, me and my uncle, we were at the YMCA of the Rockies when I was when I was just a kid. I think it was in high school. And we went to the gym. We're working out. And we come back, and there's these uh, Orthodox Jews. And they got their hats on. They're wearing all black. They're doing all this. And they say, could you come in and turn on the lights for us? We're not allowed to do it on Shabbat. And so we go in, and my uncle is kind of a smart ox, Uncle Jordan where I, you know, my parents named me from, sort of. Well, they weren't supposed to work out, so they named me Jordan. And then, But he, they did work out, and they're still married today, so praise the Lord. <laughs> but um, he goes, let there be light, and he flips on the light switch. And they did not think it was funny at all. So, <laughs> but, um, but, you know, they can't do certain things on the Sabbath to a to abide by their, their Sabbath reg regulations. So he says, pray that I not, might not be in winter or on the Sabbath. Verse 21, for then there will be great tribulation, such as not been since the beginning of the world until this time, no, nor ever shall be. Nothing like it has ever happened before. Nothing like it. In the world, in Israel, nowhere. Now, when Jesus says this, there will be great tribulation that has not been since the beginning of the world until that time or ever shall be. I believe he's pointing back to something else. Remember, they didn't have chapters and verses, right? And Jesus would memorize where things were through phrases. Okay? So when Jesus says, he's on the car, he says, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. He says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He's telling everybody, go back, look at Psalm 22. 
Here I believe he's saying, go back, look at Daniel chapter 12, verse 1. All right? So Daniel chapter 12, verse 1. You can go there if you want. Daniel chapter 12, verse 1. Important passage. Daniel chapter 12, verse 1. It says, At that time, Michael shall stand up. I'll give you guys a minute. It's windy out here. It's hard to turn pages. Daniel chapter 12. At that time, Michael shall stand up, the great prince who stands watch over the sons of your people, and there shall be a time of trouble, or you could say a time of tribulation. Synonymous, same thing. Such as never was since there was a nation, even to that time. Okay? This will be the worst it has ever been or ever will be, all right? This will make AD 70 look like a picnic. Okay, AD 70, millions of Jews were killed, murdered. Their houses burnt down. Afterwards, people are going to try to find food and they're killing each other. You can only imagine what something like that would do. They're killing each other for food, stealing from each other, doing awful things, all right? This was awful, but this will be even worse. Remember, two-thirds are gonna die. Who are left there. This will be a terrible time. When it says Michael shall stand up, one thought is that he kind of gets out of the way because he's supposed to let judgment come. Another thought is this is a war, an angelic war as well. So it says there shall be a time of trouble such as never was since there was a nation even to that time and at that time your people shall be delivered. Everyone who is found written in the book, that is the book of life, right? The book of the redeemed. And many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life, some to shame and everlasting contempt. Those who are wise shall shine like the brightness of the firmament, and those who turn many to righteousness like stars forever and ever. So I read the, the last verses just to show this is what happens at the last day. Okay? Michael stands up, there is a time of trouble that has never been, and then Jesus Christ comes back. Okay? This did not happen in AD 70. Jesus Christ, Christ ascended, and he was still in heaven when AD 70 happened. He didn't come back at that time. Alright? So this is talking about a time yet future. Now, what else do we know about this time of tribulation that has not been or ever will be since the beginning of the world until now? I believe if you go to Revelation chapter 16, I'm just going to kind of rattle them off. But these are the bull judgments, the bulls of wrath that are unleashed on the earth. You see these angels coming out of the temple and they have, Old King James says, vials of wrath. New King James says, bulls of wrath. And they start pouring them out on the earth in succession. Okay? The first one, loathsome sores come upon all those who took the mark of the beast and worshipped the beast and his image. Loathsome sores. So they start getting boil sores, open wounds all over them. Um, I thought it was interesting, one teacher that I heard, he said perhaps the mark of the beast is something that has some kind of uh, chemical reaction or something like that and the Lord just lets it go loose, you know. Second, the seas, and third, 
the season, the waters turn into blood. All the salt water, all the fresh water are turned to blood. Um, fourth, the sun begins to scorch people. You imagine that. The sun gets so hot, people are burning alive as the sun touches them. Oops. I just lost my place. Uh, the fifth bowl, the kingdom of the beast will be filled with darkness and they will start to gnaw their tongues off because of the pain of the darkness. So it's not just that the light is turned out. Some kind of darkness that can even be felt, like it happened in Egypt, comes down upon the people and torments them. Okay, sixth, the, the sixth bowl is poured out in the Euphrates River. That way all the armies can come across and make war, okay? And the Lord can destroy them. The seventh bowl is the worst earthquake in human history. Okay, it says nothing has ever happened that's like it or will ever happen again that is like it. <clears throat> and also at that time, hail will fall. And each piece of hail weighs 100 pounds. And it will fall upon men and men will curse God and not give him glory because of the plague of hail. All right, this is going to be a tremendous time of tribulation on the earth. So when Jesus said, nothing like it has ever happened or ever will again, that's what he's talking about. All right? There's going to be an awful persecution, but then also God's wrath is going to fall upon the earth. He is going to smite the earth with a curse. All right? And then look at verse 22. And if those days had not been shortened, no flesh would be saved. But for the elect's sake, those days will be shortened. So... If it, were, if it was any longer than three and a half years, nobody would survive. Everyone would die. Okay? The human race would go extinct. But he has shortened it for the sake of the elect. Speaking of all those who believe in Jesus Christ. All those Jews who turn from their sins and from their unbelief and bow the knee to the Lord Jesus who died for their sins. <clears throat> And then he's going to go over false Christ. So I'm just going to read through it really quick. Then if anyone says to you, look, here's the Christ, or there, do not believe it. For false Christ and false prophets will rise, show many great signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect. I'm sure Joel Osteen, Joyce Myers, all those people will be going to Israel to preach. I'm just kidding. Maybe not. But there's going to be a lot of people who are going to rise up and they are going to be false messiahs and false prophets. Okay, That will be another defining feature of those three and a half years. <clears throat> it says, For false Christs and false prophets will arise and show great signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect. So they're not going to just be talking. They're going to be showing signs and wonders. They're going to be in, demonically empowered to do things. All right? And if you were not one of the elect who has the Holy Spirit that helps you to discern truth from lies, truth from lies, then you would fall for it. But he says the elect, they're not going to fall for it. See, I have told you beforehand. And that's also a comfort to me. Because I know that the Holy Spirit indwells me, and he's going to lead me into all truth, Jesus said. Now, does that mean everything I'm going to believe is right? 
No. But he is going to keep me. He is going to preserve my mind, my faith, what I believe. I know it's going to be true. Okay? That doesn't mean I won't have error. But the things that really matter, I'm not going to be swerved from. I'm not going to be deceived. All right? So that brings me great comfort. And then he says to you, I've told you beforehand. So if they say to you, therefore, um, look, he's in the desert. Do not go out. Or look, he's in the rooms, in the inner room. Do not believe it. For as lightning comes from the east and flashes to the west, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. Okay? So, don't believe it. But the Son of Man is going to be unmistakable. I mean, he's going to be coming on the glory of heaven. Right on the Shekinah, on the cloud. You know, it's going to be amazing. And then he says one more thing that befuddles everyone. For wherever the carcass is, there the eagles or the vultures will be gathered together. Now, some have said that's the battle of Gog and Magog. I prefer just a very simple interpretation of that. Okay, He's just giving two signs that will be unmistakable. Okay, the first one is lightning flashes from the east, is seen in the west, so the coming of the Son of Man be unmistakable. Also, when you see birds circling, right, vultures circling, what do you think? There's something dead there. Okay, when he comes and he goes against those armies, the birds of prey are going to be all over. Revelation 19, it says, then I saw an angel standing in the sun, and he cried out with a loud voice, saying to all the birds that fly in the midst of heaven, Come, gather together for the supper of the great God, that you may eat the flesh of kings, the flesh of captains, the flesh of mighty men, the flesh of horses and those who sit on them, and the flesh of all people, free and slave, both small and great. Okay? That's when Jesus Christ comes back, and he starts wiping out those armies. All right? It's going to be unmistakable. You're going to see the, the flash from heaven. You're going to see the Shekinah glory of God. And you will see, begin to see birds circling. Finishing off the bodies that are left there. So, what do we do with all this? What is the point of knowing these things? I think one, don't be a friend of this world. Don't be a friend of this world. This is what Jesus is going to do to this world. Okay? Live for heaven. Be a friend of heaven. Be a friend of God. All right? Don't war against him. Live holy lives. Live lives focused on the Lord Jesus Christ. All right? Serving him. Loving him. Loving others because you love him. Always walking. Always looking for his presence. Always anticipating it. Spending time in his presence. Because that's what's going to last forever. He says, heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will never pass away. Spend time in his word. It says in Second Peter, he says, Therefore, since all these things will be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in godliness and holy conduct? What manner of persons ought you to be? Since all these things are going to be dissolved, since all this is going to happen, and why do we get so wrapped up in the, the things of the earth? Obsessing over them. Over, even over what's going on. Our home is in heaven. 
That is our eternal place. Right? That is the kingdom we serve. We are ambassadors of Jesus Christ. Okay, remember that. I want you guys to remember that. I want to remember that. I want to have that imprinted in my mind. I am an ambassador of the Lord Jesus Christ. I live for eternity. Not for the temporal time that we have here. That is going to be gone so quick. It's going to be gone so quick. What is your mission in life? What is your mission? Is it just to have fun and then die? Or is it to serve the Lord Jesus Christ? And all that you do. Okay? Bringing praises. What does it say? That's when I think it was Second Peter. We read it last week. The purpose of our salvation is that we may proclaim the praises of him who called us out of darkness and into his marvelous light. That is the purpose of our salvation. Okay, to bring him glory and to enjoy him while we're doing that. Okay, never forget that. We are to enjoy him while we do that. All right? Not be crusty, grouchy Christians or just all lie, no grace or anything like that. We are to be those who enjoy our God forever by seeing his kingdom expand, by experiencing his love in our hearts and sharing that with others. Amen? Amen. Let's pray.